Welcome to Simpler Bible, a daily journey to biblical understanding. Today we get to be in Genesis 15, episode 8. Thanks for joining us for our first week. All right, righteous by faith. That's the topic we're going to talk about today. This theme that is introduced here in Genesis 15 is life-altering. It is. It deals with salvation. It deals with righteousness, holiness, faith. What we're going to read about and understand here has themes throughout the whole New Testament. It's very, very important. And, and so we're going to begin in Genesis 15, 1, if you'll read along with me. After these things, the word of God came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So when he says here, I continue childless, it's because uh, God had made him a promise that he was going to have a son through whom the whole world would be blessed. And he's like, thank you for that promise, but uh, hey, where is it? So Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And God brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed God and he counted, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. This is, this is so important for us to understand. This idea that Abraham's belief, Abraham's faith in God was what was counted to him as righteousness is foundational for us to understand that our righteousness before God is also dependent upon faith. It's not dependent upon what we do. It's not dependent upon uh, the good and the bad. A lot of people have this view of God that it's kind of a cosmic scale that one day they'll stand before God and He'll weigh their good deeds against their bad deeds, and hopefully the ledger's in their favor. That's not it at all. Like, we know that we are righteous by faith. In fact, Paul will say in Romans 4, 22 through 24, the last few verses of that chapter, he says that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness, and that this was written, this credited to him as righteousness, was written not only for his sake, but for our sake as well, for we who would believe on Jesus Christ. So this concept of uh, righteous by faith, or if you think of later in the scripture where it says, the just shall live by faith or the righteous shall live by faith, you and I are made righteous because of faith. Abraham is the father of faith, the father of all who believe. We'll see that a little bit more here and then in a few chapters as well. Abraham is the father of all who will believe and all who believe are righteous because of faith. You can also see in Galatians 3, 7 through 9, the Bible says it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, I'm a little bit ahead of myself here because I was so excited about it. We're going to come back to this in some later uh, sessions, but, but this is a really neat concept. So this idea that you might remember, maybe you didn't, if you grew up in church and you were a little kid in church and you sang Father Abraham, it's a, it's a super fun song for kids. It, there's not a ton of theology to it. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Uh, let me explain the theology behind that song and kind of where it goes wrong a little bit, where it goes astray. But this idea is that the Jews believe that because they're Jews, they are sons of Abraham. And yet the scripture teaches that you're only a son of Abraham if you've put faith in God. It is only through faith in God, like Abraham put faith in God, that one is declared a son of Abraham, that one is declared righteous. And, and so it's super important for us to remember and to know that our righteousness is dependent upon faith. I say the, the place where the song gets a little bit wrong is it says, I am one of them and so are you. And I don't know if the other person is a son of Abraham because do they believe in Jesus, right? That's the standard. And here's, here's something that I want you to consider. 
I made a few notes here. People in the Bible are called sons and daughters of Abraham. They're called that by Jesus in a couple of different places. And then there's a couple of places where he refers to them and says, you're not sons of Abraham. So Jesus is having this face-off with the Pharisees in John chapter 8. And they come to him and he says, you're, you're in slavery. And he's, they say, no, we're not in slavery. We're children of Abraham. And he says, no, you're not children of Abraham. If you were children of Abraham, you would believe me. So these are Jews who historically and genetically speaking, are descendants of Abraham. But Jesus says, you're not children of Abraham because you don't believe in me. That's going to be the key factor for anyone to be called a son or a daughter of Abraham. And so eventually they say, well, we're children of God. He goes, no, you, you're not children of God or you would know who I am. He says, you're not children of Abraham. You're not children of God. You're children of the devil because you disbelieve in me. So that's John 8. But in Luke 19, we have this guy, another children's song, famously, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? Zacchaeus was this short guy of short stature, climbs a tree to see Jesus. Jesus comes by, looks up into the tree, says, Zacchaeus, come down for today. I will dine in your house. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and as was the custom in those days, the tax collectors kind of cheated people, took more taxes than they were supposed to, lined their own pockets. So Zacchaeus says, look, if I have stolen anything from anyone, I give it back fourfold. And he said, and I'll give half of everything I have to the poor. And Jesus makes an interesting comment about this in verse 9 of Luke 19, where he says, this one is also a son of Abraham. He says, salvation has come to this house today. He is also a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus believed in Jesus. By faith, he was declared righteous. I think of another place like Luke 13, verse 16 where it talks about a woman who has been bent in half for 18 years. A spirit has oppressed her for 18 years, and she's been bent in half. And then Jesus heals her, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees are mad, and they say, come on, come any other day of the week to get healed, but don't get healed on the Sabbath. There's six other days to be healed. And, and Jesus says, isn't it right that this daughter of Abraham, who's been oppressed for 18 years, be made whole? This daughter of Abraham. So she's a woman of faith. And so this idea of he counted it to him as righteousness. He believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. I want you to know today that if you have put faith in Jesus, if you have put faith in Jesus, you are declared righteous by your faith, not by any works that you have done, not by any actions that you have done. You can't undo your righteousness. You can't uh, suddenly not be righteous because righteousness is a matter of faith. And so I, I got to tell you, like, Genesis 15, 6 is, is one of the most important verses in the entire scripture because it is the basis for our understanding of salvation. Let's continue to read. Verse 7, it says here, And he said to him, God said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Lord God, how will I know that I should possess it? And he said to me, he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, and a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these and cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. As the sun was going down, deep sleep fell on Abraham, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. This will not be the only time in the Bible that uh, God is described as kind of a dreadful, great darkness. It's an interesting concept. I, I don't know. I find it fascinating that this is one of the descriptors that is used sometimes of God showing up. Verse 13, and then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and will be afflicted for 400 years. Some of your translations will say for four generations, something like that. And, and so here is what he's, uh, let me, let me go ahead and finish verse 14. 
but I will bring judgment on the nation and they will serve that they serve and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. So right here, verses 13 and 14 are giving us insight to what's going to happen at the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus when the people of God, the descendants of Abraham, are in captivity in Egypt or where they dwell in Egypt for 400 years. And so th this is... God is already telling him, look, you're going to have descendants. You're going to have descendants, descendants as numerous as the stars. Abraham believes God. That's credited to him as righteousness. And then God tells him, look, your descendants, however, are going to dwell in another land before I bring them back to this land. They're going to dwell in another land and they're going to be there for about 400 years. Uh, in Exodus 12, we learn that it's 430 years to the day from the day they moved into Egypt to the day they came out. But we'll get to Exodus next month. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers, verse 15, sorry, as for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you will be buried as a, at a good old age and they will come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Don't, don't skip over this. This is really interesting. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Why is that important? So God is going to build Abraham into a nation. We'll see later, according to the text, in two varying accounts, but 70 or 75 Israelites, Jews, go into Egypt and uh, more than 600,000 men, not counting the women and children, well over a million Jews come out of Egypt 430 years later. But notice what he says, they'll come back to this land in, in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. What does that mean? What does it mean that he's saying that iniquity isn't complete? One of the things that you're going to find thematic throughout the whole Bible is that God is really patient with the wicked, is really patient with sinners. And he gives them opportunities for repentance. And he says, look, I'm, I'm not going to destroy the Amorites yet. Their wickedness hasn't reached its peak. In a couple of hundred years, their wickedness will reach its peak. I'll bring you back here and you guys will wipe them all out. And so there's this patience of God towards the wicked. There's this patience of God towards the righteous that we see over and over and over again in the scripture. And it, it is fascinating to me. So don't, don't skip over this, that part of the reason that the Israelites will be away for 400 years is because they're going to grow into a nation. Part of the reason that they'll be away for 400 years is because the sin of the Amorites hasn't reached its peak yet, and God's not quite ready to deal with them yet. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. So remember, uh, Abraham has cut these animals and laid them in half on either side. You don't find this imagery really anywhere else in the scripture, not quite like this. Uh, there are some external sources outside the Bible that would say that this was a common way for people to make a covenant in this day, and and it's probably true. It's just not it's just not really dealt. Uh, we just don't deal with it a lot in the scripture. So this idea that what would happen is these people would lay these two halves of these animals side by side, and then they would walk through it to kind of make this covenant in this blood, and so. Abraham, Abram at this point, has has laid these animals on either side and he's he's guarding these animals and he's driving back the birds that are coming, coming trying to eat them. And then the smoking fire pot, the flaming torch that represents God, passes through the animals, symbolizing that this covenant has been made between God and Abraham. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting is this, this imagery of the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch. So not only does God show up in thick darkness sometimes, but he also shows up in, in a flame of fire. And so we see this all over the Bible. We see it in the burning bush in Exodus. We see in Exodus 18 and 19 where, where God comes down on Mount Sinai and he's covering the whole mountain in smoke and fire and there's trembling. Uh, we see that he led the people by a pillar of fire by day and, and a pillar of cloud by night. I have that backwards. I always do that. Pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. That makes way more sense. And uh, 
this idea of darkness, this idea of smoke, it, it's just interesting because when, when Solomon, well, let's back up, when Moses builds the tabernacle for the first time and erects the tabernacle at the end of, at the end of Exodus, the beginning of Numbers, God's presence fills the tabernacle so much so with this smoke that the people can't even go in, the priests can't go in. The same thing happens when, when um, Solomon builds the temple and consecrates the temple, it's filled with smoke. So all these images are images that we will see of God throughout. Remember, God is spirit. He does not have form. This is why he will later in the book of Deuteronomy, well, Exodus and Deuteronomy, tell the people, don't make any graven Im images. Don't make idols in the form of anything because if you make it uh, of any created thing, man, woman, animal, plant, that's less than God. So God is spirit. He manifests his glory in various ways. And he shows up a lot of times in different symbols like smoke, fire, this thick darkness. And so I, I love the imagery. This imagery will continue throughout the Old Testament as God appears. And we see a hint of it in the New Testament, I believe, with the Holy Spirit descending like tongues of fire on the apostles in the book of Acts. Verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. We've talked about that. I keep saying Abraham. He's Abram at this point in a couple of chapters. He'll rename him saying, to your offspring I give this land from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kad Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And so God makes a covenant with Abraham. Remember, prior to the covenant, God has said to him, through, I'm going to give you a son through whom the whole world will be blessed. I'm going to give you an, somebody from your own descendants, your own line, it's not going to be your servant that inherits these blessings. It'll be your son who inherits these blessings. And he says to him that this, that like, uh, this is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to happen. And Abraham believes God. And that is the foundation of Abraham's righteousness. And here's the, here's the message that God has proclaimed to us. The, the message that God has proclaimed to us is that there is salvation in Jesus Christ. That in Jesus Christ, in his death, in his resurrection, our sins have been dealt with and we have been declared righteous and holy by faith in that. We believe, we believe what God has done through Jesus. We believe the report of God about Jesus. And as we put our faith in Christ, according to Romans, we see then that uh, we too have been made righteous by our faith. And so don't, don't skip over chapter 15. Love chapter 15, especially verse 6. It shapes all of our New Testament thinking about righteousness and salvation. And thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you again tomorrow. Thank you so much for journeying with us today at Simpler Bible through another section of Scripture where we come to know and understand God a little bit better. Look, if you're brand new to Simpler Bible, we have all sorts of resources available for you. Go to our website, simplerbible.com, and there you can find these videos, you can find our podcast, you can find links to our social media, and you can even find a blog post with additional scriptures if you want to go into a little bit more study than we had time to cover in this podcast and video today. We hope that this tool will be exactly that for you, a tool. Not something that replaces your daily walk with God, but something that enhances your daily walk with God and helps you to know and enjoy Him more. Thank you so much for being part of this, and we'll see you again tomorrow.